Now we're going to read in the Old Testament and in the New, uh, just the verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And the wise man who wrote Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, he starts out with remembering your Creator while you're young. And he talks about as we age. And I've met some people here today, and probably a decade since I've seen some of them, and some of them don't look like they have aged a year. You're holding your own. Others, like myself, hair has gone white and a few things like that. And so the writer here is talking about the aging process and our longevity. And when you get down to verse 5, he's speaking about the frailty of old age. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, desire shall fail, because, here it is, man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever, ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and so on. I want you to catch that phrase. Because man goeth to his long home. People go to their long homes. Years ago, there was an elderly gentleman that came to visit the eastern part of Canada and spoke at a Bible conference, something like this. And his name was, I believe, A.M.S. Gooding. And in the gospel that night, I remember that he just singled out that phrase and he didn't read anything else. Man goeth to his long home. It made an impression on my, in my young years and because he exaggerated the word long. He said, man goeth to his long home. I had the privilege of touring Bill Gates' home out in the West Coast. And it's a massive, massive house. Multiple bathrooms and garages and winding stairs. It is really a sight to see Bill and Melinda's house. Now, it was a virtual tour. I did it online. And, uh, but I, was just, I wanted to see what the, the house was like. And here's, what I, here's the thought that occurred to me. Was long after Bill and Melinda Gates' home on the West Coast is reduced to rubble, Bill and Melinda Gates will be in their Long home. That home out on the West Coast is their temporary home. There's some nice homes around here. But they're only temporary homes. Just there for a short time. But every single one in this audience. Everyone. We are heading to our long home. And I suspect many people think more about their temporary home than their long home. 
And so a service like this tonight is designed to refocus people. You have Monday and Tuesday perhaps to think about your rain throws and whether your home is winterized. Because you do get winter here in the Midland Park area. Occasionally snow falls. But what you really need to be occupied with is my long home. Where am I going to be forever and ever and ever and ever? And if we were to ask you at the door, where is your long home? I hope your response doesn't start with, well, I hope it will. That's so wrong. No, the beauty of the gospel message is when you discover what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, you won't be hoping with your fingers crossed anymore that you're going to get to the right destination. Those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior with tremendous confidence on the authority of the Word of God, we can say our long home is to be with Jesus Christ forever in what people commonly refer to and as the Bible speaks of as heaven. Heaven. So now let's just go over to the New Testament and you'll allow me to read a couple of verses in Revelation chapter 21. Almost to the very end of the Bible. Revelation 21 and verse 1. And the theologians can uh, debate the context here. But I just want to pick out two verses. Verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so this is a, a future day that we're reading about here. And it's towards the very end of the canon of Scripture. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. They shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be their God. This is a verse I want you to focus on. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Sounds like a pretty nice place, doesn't it? What a future. Contrast that with verse 8. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, people com commonly refer to that as hell. Hell and the lake of fire. The eternal separation, a place of eternal misery, Eternal doom, eternal night, eternal suffering, banished eternally from God.
forever. So that you see there's quite a difference between a temporary hole. Dorian can rip through the Bahamas. And the images would bring tears to your eyes. As we saw homes completely demolished. The remnants of one standing homes. And they're gone. There are a lot of people gone too. They're temporary homes. Tragically wiped away in a hurricane. Your home may never suffer the effects of bad weather. It may never, hopefully, ever burn to the ground to ashes. But eventually all homes will be reduced to rubble. But where will you be? Where will you be? Your eternal home. That's the thought there in Ecclesiastes 12. Some translations put it. Instead of a long home, it says we are going to our eternal home. How long is eternity? Did you ever think of that? How long is eternity? People have tried to come up with ways to illustrate it. And... They've looked at the sand on the seashore and they've looked at the number of stars in the sky and there have been many attempts to try to convey to human beings just how long eternity is. The Australian National University estimated that there are 70 sextillion stars. Seven followed by 22 zeros. Ten times as many stars as grains of sand on all the beaches of planet earth. Has a lot of stars. How long is eternity? If one star. Went black each year. Your long home. Would just be beginning. After every star. Had gone black. That's a poor illustration. Nothing. We, our minds cannot grasp eternity, the reality of eternity. But here's what I can grasp and appreciate tonight. You are looking at somebody that's wearing, a, I don't know, probably a $99 suit. And we live in a modest home. And we drive a modest car. We're not flying around in jets or anything like that. Private jets. Don't have a yacht to sail around the Caribbean in the winter, in the Mediterranean, in the summer. But I am infinitely wealthy. I can't say I have $50,000 in a bank or $25,000 in a bank. But you're looking at someone who can say this. My long home forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in a place where there are no tears. There is no death. There is no sorrow. There is no crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. That's 
what a child of God has to look forward to. Yes, we enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ in this life. What we're talking about is not just for the next life. Those of us who are born again, saved, know Jesus Christ personally as our Savior, we are enjoying eternal life now, in this life. So it's not only the panacea for the future. Oh, there's nothing to be compared with the joy of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in this life and enjoying a relationship with Him. So what's your situation? If I was in a series of gospel meetings, I might put... The, well, I'm, I'm here. I had it in my... I looked out in the trunk of the car to see if I had something like this. But I would put this up. Your next 100 years, what will your story be 100 years from now? What will your story be? Where will you be? That's what I want you to think about. My story, 100 years from tonight. Be careful with the expression, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I visited a couple on Prince Edward Island, that's in Canada, the east coast of Canada. Shirley said she was a Christian. And uh, Albert Hall and I were having gospel meetings and uh, Shirley wanted her husband, Claude, to be saved. So we went to visit um, Shirley's house and so we said to Shirley, Shirley, tell us your story. So Shirley said, well, years ago, Claude, he's never away, and he was going over to Europe on a business trip. And she says, the first time I stayed alone by myself in the house. And she said, I prayed to God that I wouldn't be nervous staying alone in the house. And she said, do you know to this day that whenever I'm alone in the house, I'm not nervous? And we were waiting for the story to continue, but that was the end of Shirley's story. We hardly knew what to say, and she was really focused on Claude finding the forgiveness of sins. That night she came to meeting to the gospel service, and she said, I just discovered I don't have eternal life. I am not saved. Here I was praying for Claude. I thought I had a story. But she said, I could have been in hell over all those years. I'm glad that Shirley didn't stick with her story. They say, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. She didn't stick with her story. We said to her at the door, well, surely. We looked at each other in the driveway when we were driving out. and We said to each other, I sure wouldn't want to be going out into eternity with what Shirley's got. Would we want to go out into eternity with what you have tonight? What do you have? We're talking about our long home. Well, to make a long story short about Shirley, I won't leave you hanging without telling you the rest of it. The next morning, 
call display and the old phone came up and it said, Claude and Shirley Stewart. And we were eating our breakfast and I picked the phone up, one of those phones, and uh, said, Peter, you sure wouldn't mind going out into eternity with what I got this morning. Oh, I said, really? What did you get this morning? Oh, she said, I was through a horrible night. I was up all night. And she said, even at one point through the night, I even had myself nailed to the cross for my sins. And when I got there, I just thought, oh, surely, how stupid can you be? That was her language. How stupid can you be? He was on the cross for your sins. Oh, well, Shirley went home to heaven a few years after that with cancer. I'm glad she didn't stick with her original story. Tonight, would you like to have this matter settled? Because it is your long home that we're talking about. Your eternal home. And 100 years from tonight, every single person in this auditorium is either going to be up in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ or lost forever. A long home. Life isn't a fairy tale. Don't waste your time chasing bubbles, dreaming dreams, playing games and winning prizes, getting ahead. Prepare. Can you rest your head on your foam or your feather pillow tonight and say, I am prepared. I discovered that Christ died for my sins. I know Him personally as my Savior. What a way to fall asleep in the evening. What a way to wake up in the morning. What a way to approach the future. Knowing all is well. Eternal home. Eternal home of the saved ones. A place where there are no anxieties. No more burdens to bear. No more cancer. No crying. No cemeteries. You can whoop the alphabet. No death. No evil. No enemies. No fighting. No funerals. No gripes. No grief. H. No heartbreaks. No heartbreaks in heaven. No heartaches in heaven. That all pertains to earth. But in the long home of those who know Christ as their Savior, all of that is past forever. There will be no illness. No irritations. No jolts. No jars that turn your life upside down. A phone can ring. And you pick it up. You had your day all planned. And then you hear about a terrible accident. Or you hear about a diagnosis out of a loved one that's just come in. And your little world is tips upside down. That still happens to Christians. Oh, we're not painting a rosy picture. Christians still have disappointments in life. We know our sins are forgiven. We have peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But we still have, we still can contract cancer. Mosquitoes still bite us. We still have flat tires. And there are Christians here who knows what it is to try and find a dry spot on a very wet pillow. 
But through all the trials of their life, there's a deep-seated peace inside that God loved them and Jesus Christ died for them and they know Him personally as their Savior. I wonder what it will be. The stories in heaven will be amazing. I don't know whether you're familiar with your Bible or not. Many people aren't. They haven't been privileged to grow up with the Bible or to attend a catechism or a Sunday school. But there are some beautiful stories in the Bible. If you were just to go through the, just to travel in your mind with me and go there with your little microphone on behalf of the media and ask them, what is your story? You're up here. What is your story? Come across that man right there. And you say, how did you arrive here? Oh, he would say, I had a good job. I, you can read my story in Luke 19. He said, like, I, had, I had a great job. I was a tax collector and I, I, I made, took some money that didn't belong to me. Good position. Hired on behalf of the Roman, by the Roman government. But oh, I was so empty. One day, there was a young man passing through town. Jericho and I thought there must be more to life than this you don't read I'm I'm filling in in between the lines here and I closed the little office down the whole town had come out to meet this young man Jesus the streets were shoulder to shoulder and I was challenged in stature I wasn't overly high and And I couldn't see above the crowd. And I didn't care what the neighbors thought. With my money and my big mansion on the hill. I decided this man is causing a stir. He's changing people's lives. And I can't afford to miss him. He's passing through our town. And I climbed. You must have read the story in the Bible, did you? I climbed up into a tree and... I was looking down and I never thought I'd be noticed. I never thought the young man would look up to me. But the crowd, the parade was coming down through the street. And I'll never forget it. I was peering down through the branches looking at the crowd. And then a man, he didn't have a halo around his head. He stopped and he looked right up. And his eyes met my eyes. And he knew my name. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For I'm going to abide at your house. And at that moment I thought, he knows me. He knows the wretch that I am. He knows all about my past. He even knew my name. He knew I was in the tree. And yet, he called me down to himself. And so, you stick the microphone in the in its face. And so what did you do, sir? Oh, do you know what I did? What do you think I did? I came down that tree, tree and I landed with a thud on the ground. And there I stood face to face with Jesus. Received him joyfully. My life was changed. I owed it all to the Lord Jesus Christ.
go down another street. Oh, you're up here. Aren't you that religious man from Jerusalem? All your colleagues were so opposed to Jesus Christ. How did you, in the, how in the world did you get up here? Oh, he said there was this young man going around creating a tremendous stir. Large crowds, thousands, five thousand, ten thousands of people were coming. And I couldn't ignore him any longer. He was doing miracles. Genuine, not the things that you see in TV, the hoaxes to get your money. He was doing miracles. And I thought, I can't ignore him. And one night I thought, well, I looked in the mirror and I wasn't getting any younger. I said, Nicodemus, you're no spring chicken. You're an old man. And you thought you had the religion. You thought you had the answers. But what if this man has the answers? Maybe you better go to him and find out what he says. And again, I'm reading between the lines. Some people speculate, they say, he went undercover, he didn't want to be seen. He went at night. Now, how do you know that that was his motivation? Maybe, as he looked in the mirror and saw his wrinkles, he thought, I can't afford to wait till tomorrow. I may die in my sleep tonight. And if I have the wrong faith, and if I place my faith in something that is not going to take me to the right long home, then I need to find out. And that night, he found the Lord Jesus. And you can read his story in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Jesus looked at that man with all his religion, said, you must be born again. You can never enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Unless you are born again. What a jolt, what a jar to Nicodemus. Nicodemus would say, I'm up here because I met the Lord Jesus Christ that night. And who are you? Oh, I lived in a distant land. You perhaps know me if you've read your Bible. I'm, I'm the man from Ethiopia. Yeah, I was... a. Uh, Vice President of the land there. I was in charge of the Treasury, the Finance Department. I took a leave of absence from the monarch, the Queen, and I went on a spiritual pilgrimage. I thought, I have to find the answer. And he traveled many, 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 many miles. And he says, I came to Jerusalem. And I didn't find they had all the buildings and the pomp and the ceremony and the splendor of Jerusalem and the religion. But I didn't find what I needed. But he said, I got a copy of the Word of God and I was traveling home and I was reading about someone who was wounded and bruised for transgressions and for sins and iniquities. And who was despised and rejected of men. And I wondered, whoever is this man who was innocent and yet he was despised but for our sakes. He was wounded for our transgressions. Who is he? And I'll never forget I was in the chariot going down over the, over the sand and 
I looked down and there was a there was a man, he was a preacher of the gospel, and he was running alongside the chariot. And he looked up at me and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And I looked down at him and I said, How can I? And right then the chariot stopped and he came up. And I said, Here is where I'm reading in the scroll. And can you tell me who this man is? Is it the prophet or is it some other man? And the Bible says, He preached unto me Jesus. And right there in the chariot that day, I realized that Jesus Christ was wounded for my sins and bruised. And I embraced Him as my Savior. Are, you res- are any of these stories resonating with you? Do you have a time when you first appreciate it? Heaven is filled with stories, personal stories like that. The Bible is filled with that. Many people in this room have stories to tell. Who are you? Can you tell me your story? No, I'm looking at you. You're not that Saul of Tarsus that was putting Christians to death, are you? How in the world? How did you end up here? And he would tell you the story. He said, My enemy number one was Jesus. I hated Jesus. And anyone who loved Jesus, I was out to have them arrested. In my mind, Jesus was nothing but a a fraud, an imposter. One day I was traveling with papers from the authorities to arrest more Christians, have them consigned to jail, incarceration. And I was stopped on the road. And I realized the very Jesus that I've been fighting against is the Messiah, the Christ. And that He died on the cross for my sins. And in that day on the road to Damascus, my eyes were opened. I embraced Him as my Savior. I'm up here because of the Lord Jesus. Who are you? I'm... I was a prison guard. I I was in charge of the jail, the jail manager. One night, we had the the gospel preachers there with us, and and they were chains, and there was an off. They were singing hymns, and I wasn't paying any. I wasn't interested in what they were talking about. But there was an earthquake come in and shook the prison. And I was terrified for my life. And I will never forget that night. I grabbed a light and I came to the gospel preachers and I said to them, what must I do to be saved? And their response was, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You can read my story in Acts chapter 16. I'm up here because of the Lord Jesus. And who are you? Well, I won't go into the details of my past. I'm that woman that knew so many men in the city. All I knew was about broken love and broken lives. I was the most broken person ever. Oh, I'm so ashamed. I never, ex- I just experienced cheap love, men after men in my life. One day I came out to fill my pots with water at the well and There was a young man in his early 30s sitting in the well. And he said, if this is the only water you ever drink, you'll keep on thirsting and thirsting and thirsting. 
But if you drink of the water that I will give you, you'll never thirst again. And we had a conversation, and I found out that this man is Jesus, who is able to satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart, who is able to transform my life and to give me water that will be in me, bubbling up eternal life, joy in my heart, satisfaction. I'm up here because he found me. Who are you? Ah, I was away on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You must have read my story in Mark 5. I was out there. The society couldn't do anything with me. They arrested me more times than I can count. And again, I'm exaggerating just to make this point. And I was out in the cemetery. And um, I was shout. I was just being uh, disturbing the peace. I was so tormented inside. Nobody wanted me. Nobody loved me. Nobody cared for me. Totally alone in this world. I'll never forget it was a dark, stormy night. And all of a sudden there was a peace. In the middle of the storm I hadn't a clue what happened. But that morning a little boat pulled up to my shore. And I saw a youngish man getting out of the boat. And he was coming towards me. And I thought he's, not, he's coming with eyes of love and compassion. And I realized this man has traveled across this dark stormy night. Because he was interested in me, and he knew about me, and he loved me. Oh, he changed, Jesus changed my life completely. I'm up here because of him. There are multiple stories in the Bible. But as I'm going over these stories, what about your story? A lot of people have stories. They have long stories. They have stories of maybe God answered their prayer and sickness passed it, went away. That's, that's not a story of salvation. That's a story of God's kindness and goodness of answering your prayer. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a story of facing the reality of your sins and brokenness and realizing that Christ died for your sins and a moment in your life, a personal Precious, precise moment in your life when you embraced Him as your Savior. You have that moment. And a hundred years from now, you go, Hey, you're a Canadian, aren't you? You're up here. Who are you? I am just from Prince Edward Island, Canada. It's only a small province about 140 miles long, and there's only about 140. 40,000 people of us lived there and we lived in the poor section of Charlottetown and oh, why are you up here? And my, that's my story. I will tell you in the year they landed on the moon for the first time, 1969. The year that Woodstock Rock Festival was held. The year that Senator Edward Moore Kennedy drove off the bridge and the lady died. A lot of things. The first ATM bank machine made its debut. Sesame Street made its debut. Um, the Beatles cut an album. I forget the name of it just now. Just rambling. But of all those tremendous events, I would say but the greatest of all events in 1969 
was a 12-year-old boy about to turn 13, on his knees with his Bible, no one coaching him to say a certain thing or go over a certain prayer, wanting to have his sins forgiven to be right with God. And that night I found out that Jesus Christ died for me. I'm up here because of the church. No. Same reason that everybody else is up there. I'm up there because of the Lord Jesus Christ. My long home is heaven. Do you know the other place? There's stories there. They're Bible stories. If you, I can't even imagine the thought, but if you were to talk to that man there, he would say, Oh, you must have read my story in Genesis 4. I'm Cain. My mom and dad and siblings are up there, but I did it my, my way. And I'm down here. And who are you? Oh, I'm Lot's wife. Genesis 19, you can read my story. I was just attached to my lifestyle and all the comforts of the city that I lived in. And God sent His messengers to rescue me and my family. And I was so close. Almost. But then I made a choice. And I turned around. And I perished. I'm down here. Forever. What's your name? Now, my name is Pilate. You must have read about me in Matthew 27 and other parts of the Bible. I remember looking into the face of that young man, Jesus. Look, it was my job. I talked to criminals. I knew guilt when I could see it in their face. I could see people who were hardened by the effects of sin. I'll never forget the day when I looked into that face. I knew he was innocent. I knew that, that there was no blood stains on his hands. I could find no fault in him. But I guess for friends and for my position, I just couldn't go against the crowd and I allowed him to be crucified. I'm lost forever. And what's your name? My name is Felix. You can read about me in Acts 24. I, I actually heard the gospel and my, and my legs shook. I was so stirred that I trembled at the message of God. But I thought I had plenty of time. And what's your name? Oh, my name is Absalom. You must have heard about my dad. King David. A man after God's own heart. How did you land here, Absalom? Well, I broke my father's heart. I took my own way. I rebelled. I'm lost, lost forever. And what's your name? I'll just give you one more story. My name is Judas. I was with him for three years. I saw his miracles. I was so privileged. When I went into the garden that night to betray him and to hand him over to 
the authorities. I told the guys. They said, how will I know which one, how will we know which one to arrest? I said, I'll kiss them. I think Judas would tell you, I kissed the very door to heaven. I kissed Jesus. But I'm lost forever. Oh, tragic stories in eternity. What will your story be? Going to our long home. Maybe your story will be, I failed to come. I thought I had plenty of time. Why haven't you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm going to just give you an old poem, and then I'm going to close. But maybe you do think you have plenty of time to get this most important matter settled. You know, you know as well as I know, the uncertainty of life. Here's how the poem goes. I get up one Sunday morning, went to church at ten, I listened to the words that I had heard time and time again. The preacher spoke of sinful lives. It seems he spoke of mine. But I was young. I had plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound. To eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown. I'm just a young man. Not yet in my prime. So I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. I walked on down life's pathway, living as I wished to live. How to beat the other fellow, how to get what life can give. Making money is not sinful, having fun is not a crime. So I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. The next stanza goes like this. Before I knew what had happened, earth scenes had passed away, and millions stood before God's throne, it was judgment day. Now eternal darkness beckons, and the name he calls is mine. But I thought I had plenty of time. And it ends this way, eternity waits, I've got plenty of time to think of all the days that Christ could have been mine. My chance now is over. Earth scenes are left behind. And here am I. I've got plenty of time. Now I've got nothing but plenty of time. The long home. It must be a horrific thing to end up in the wrong place. And realize, this is my long home forever. Tonight as we close the meeting, our prayer, and the prayers of the conveners of this conference, is that this evening, because you don't have plenty of time, this evening, you will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept Him as your personal Savior. Face the reality of your sins. Understand that it was for the very sins that I've committed. They were the cause of his death, but they are the answer for my sins. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, all your sins can be forgiven. Let's pray. Our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we just pray for those who are uncertain tonight. They're thinking about their life.
They are thinking about what they know from the Word of God. For some, there may be a large question mark, a great deal of uncertainty. For others, it may be a gnawing sense inside that they're not right, their sins are looming before holy eyes and they need to address this great matter of their sins. Others are empty. They have found no beauty in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have never joined in the singing of a hymn, Hallelujah, what a Savior. So tonight as we part and go our ways, we pray that the Spirit of God will work in each heart and that tonight someone will see the beauties in the Lord Jesus Christ and may the Spirit of God work mightily and deliver precious souls from eternal damnation. Part is with thy blessing as we sing a couple of stanzas of this next hymn in his lovely name. Amen. 147. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. If you could understand what's in verse 2, you could go home with your sins forgiven tonight. We're just going to sing one, two, and three of 147. <laughs>